two years, uh, we lived in Namibia, Africa, and it was an interesting thing to live as a foreigner in a different place where people don't look the same, sound the same. Um, in Namibia, we, we would show up and um, people would look at us and make a lot of assumptions just on how we looked. First of all, I am white. Um, and especially where at the school I taught at, there were very few white people that would even enter this area. And uh, so they would make a lot of assumptions about who I was based on being white. And so I'd go in and they'd immediately think, oh, he's South African. And there was still some tension between South Africans and Namibians at this point. And then I would open my mouth and they'd hear my accent and go, oh, he's not South African. So then their obvious next point that they would go to is, you're a rich American. And I'm like, if you've ever wanted to be rich, you know that going into mission work is where it's at. Um, so um, yeah, their assumptions could not be further from the truth. Um, but then I worked at this school, and it was in a, one of the poorest areas, and we were hoping that through education, we could help educate kids to be able to break the ties that kind of held them into this area. And so teaching at this school, I would walk my students to other places, like we'd have to walk down to this other place for these computer classes, and walking through the neighborhood, and I'd, they had these little things called fat cooks that were like little donuts that they would fry, and we would like go into the neighbor, it's like in the neighbor's backyard, you kind of had to know about it, I guess, but so here I am like roaming the neighborhood, going in the neighbor's backyard where they're frying up these fat cooks, and I'd go buy them, they'd wrap them up in the, you know, probably yesterday's newspaper and hand them to you, and like I got the weirdest looks being in this area, but it's based on assumptions of who I am because of how I look. But maybe one of the best compliments I ever got, I'm in the neighborhood talking with somebody, and I'm just having this conversation with this guy, and halfway through the conversation, he just stops and goes, you're not white, you're like me, you're black. And I'm like, could have been one of the best compliments, obviously I'm not, but um, what he was getting at was the way that people were treated differently because of skin color, because of your race, because of where you were raised, all these things. There was huge divisions. And this man was looking at me saying, I don't see these divisions between us, that, that we're no longer different. We're talking to each other like we are, we are just friends and that we, we are on the same side. And that could have been the best compliment that I've ever gotten uh, from this man, um, just to say that, that we're, we, are, we live side by side, we are as one. You know, in our world, we can, we can make a lot of divisions between ourselves. We, we, can, um, we can divide mankind into social, economical, political, racial, religious. Uh, we, we have lots of ways that we love to divide ourselves. But yet, what we're going to look at today through God's Word is one division that actually might hold some weight. I'd love if, if some of these other divisions would go away, but this one division um, actually makes a big difference to our lives. So we're going to look at this, this division of, of if we're going to be a part of the original Adam human race. And I, I had to hold back with Adam Yek over here. I'm like, there was this whole comparison of Adams, and I was really tempted to go there, but I didn't. You're welcome. He's got meditation later, so I mean, we got, we got this opportunity. Um, but this, this, are we going to be a part of the original Adam humankind race, or are we going to part of, be a part of Christ? human race. 
So we're going to look at that and kind of this, this contrast between those two and how our own salvation um, can be viewed through Christ's redemption story. So last week, we kind of started with, with being able to, to stand in God's abundant grace, that we have hope and peace through God, and it's not of our own doing. It's not stuff that we've done, um, but it's because of what Jesus did, that at the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because of his death and his sacrifice, we're offered this gift of, of grace and reconciliation, and this grace that we get is only because Christ decided that he would stand up for us and that we can now stand in his grace. So we're going to be talking about how we can maybe overcome this barrier that we have between us because of the sin that's in our lives. And it's easy to think that, you know, Jesus made one sacrifice. How can that one sacrifice be big enough that it's somehow going to affect all of us? How, how can it actually do something for every single one of us in this room? Is it big enough? But I think we're going to see how that actually plays into our, in our redemption story. So before we dive into Romans uh, chapter 5, we're going to let's pray. God, we thank you that we get to hold your word in our hands, that we can trust you, rely on you. And God, I, I thank you that, um, that you are willing to come for us, to take down divides and be, help us to be reunited with you. So we ask that you just open our hearts to hear from your word today. God, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with the conflict. And really, I think it's kind of like any good story or storytelling that we have to understand what is the tension or the conflict that we sit in uh, before we move on. So we kind of have to understand that this tension started clear back in Genesis um, in chapter 3 with the fall of Adam and Eve. Um, the decision that Adam and Eve made in the garden uh, to ignore God's warning uh, to try to be like God, they ate the fruit, um, and sin entered the world. We have to understand that this event, it, it changed history forever. That we, nothing is ever the same. Sin entered the world, and with sin, death also entered. Because death is the penalty for sin. So we have to face sin and death because of the choice of Adam. And so we've kind of been through this study in Romans to see that it doesn't matter who you are, if you're, if you're Jew or Greek or if you're um, a religious person, if you're a moral person, kind of all that doesn't matter because sin is pretty impartial. Like we, we all fall into sin. We fall short of God's glory. And so that's where we kind of land ourselves is this point of understanding that we are in this conflict. So that's where we're going to start in Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 12, if you have your Bibles with you or we have them on the screen or Bible app, whatever you've got there. But it starts by saying, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was, before the law was given, but sin is not counted. Sorry, sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even though those who were sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. These verses kind of continue to talk about sin and death, and we've, we've talked about this in previous chapters, but how sin and death came into our world, and, and then it just spreads like wildfire. It also talks about the law and what the law has to do with us understanding sin. And I'm probably like a lot of stereotypical guys that when I, whenever I get a package, it's like those Walmart packages that needs assembled, 
I'm like pretty amazing at it, um, humbly speaking, I guess. Huh? But you know what I mean? Like when I get the thing, I know how it's going to go together. Obviously, we don't need the instructions. Okay, it's the ladies that are laughing because you're like, I know, he won't stop it. Uh, it's not until about halfway through the project do I realize I've messed it up. And, and now I have to figure out how to take it apart to get those parts back that I used that I shouldn't have used because those were for later steps. And then you start over again. And it it's like, happens like that every time. And yet somehow I, I, the instructions are always on top. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're all right. I got this. I saw the picture on the box. We're good. Um, but it's, it's not until I get a ways in do I realize how much I've messed it up. And then I pull out the instructions and I see which pieces are actually supposed to go where. And I'm like, wow, I really messed it up. But it's like having those instructions in my hand is, is eye-opening to me to go, this is what it's all supposed to look like. This is what it's supposed to be like. But we can easily do the same thing with, with the Bible in our hands. We can, we can set the Bible aside and say, I don't need these instructions. But when we hold up God's Word and we read it, we understand just how far we've, we've turned from Him and just how far we've really messed things up. See, back when we read in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 said that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their own unrighteousness, we even suppress the truth. We put, put the truth aside, those instructions aside, because what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God's made these things known to us, but yet we suppress those truths. We push them aside, but we quickly understand that, that we need this manual. We need God's Word to, to lead us and guide us. But when we see it, we, we see just how far mankind really has fallen short. And we've all sinned. And Romans 3 continued on then uh, to, to say that are, are Jews any better off? Not at all. We have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And then as you go down to verse 23, it talks about that all have sinned. And everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. See, and again, I, I have a hard time with this because my name is Adam. So I keep going back to how Adam messed everything up, and it's like, ooh, that hurts. Um, but we can be a bit frustrated with Adam to think that, that he just needed to stay away from this, this tree. That, that if he would have just avoided this tree altogether, that we'd be good. But because of his disobedience, because he, because he chose to go after this, sin and death entered the world. And we lost the ability to, to be able to, like, walk with God in the garden, to have that type of intimacy, to be, to be hand in hand with God. But I think we can be so mad at, at Adam to, to think that if he wouldn't have messed it up, somehow we'd be good. But we all do the same. We all push God's word aside and we decide to go our own way. We follow our own desires. We're disobedient to God. And we don't even follow his leadings in our own lives. So we sit in the middle of this conflict, understanding that sin and death have entered the world. And each of us sins, and for our sins we earn death by this act of our own disobedience. So maybe this is where there's a little bit of a plot twist to this story, though, this redemptive story. We've earned death for our sins, and our lives, they don't measure up to what God's asked us to do. But when we begin to see this rescue that, that happens... 
we're going to see this stark contrast between Adam and Jesus. That they, they, they really like are a, a, a stark contrast between them. And honestly, it leads to a conclusion that even seems unfair. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. So let's look at these contrasts first. That We're going to look at these contrasts because we, I think each of us have to realize that as we walk through these contrasts, that we are going to fall to one side or the other. Like, you're going to be in one of these words, one side or the other. And if you don't choose, you get to be on the first. So you, you either get to be in trespass or gift. You'll be in either one. If you choose not to decide, there is no fence riding. You fall back to the first side. So the very first one is trespass and gift. And we see that in Romans uh, 5.15. It says that this free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through this one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and this free gift of grace that by one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The impact that the Adam and his decision to sin had and the impact that it had on all of mankind, it, it, it altered our world forever. And it was a huge negative effect to have sin, to have death in our world. But see, we, we've all sinned. We all fall short. And it, the law that we follow here, it makes us aware of how far, far we have fallen short. We understand the seriousness of this sinful world we live in. But then on the contrast of that, if we have that, that contrast, the other side is that in Jesus and his sacrifice, we have this free gift of grace. We're offered this for all mankind, and it's even more powerful than the failure of Adam. It can overcome the punishment that awaits for our own gifts, and it's a sin. Or, I'm sorry, it's a gift. This gift that God gives us of grace, it's a gift that's given to you, but it's also a gift that has to be received. Gifts can be given, and, and yet they can sit there unopened, but they're there for everyone. It's for all of mankind, and there's enough for all of mankind, but it has to be accepted. The second contrast that we look at, uh, that we fall one side to the other, is condemnation or justification. And again, we fall to one side or the other. And we see that in verse 16. It says, The free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment that follows the one trespass, it brought condemnation. But the free gift, following many trespasses, brought justification. So on Adam's side, the sin brings about this judgment, this, this condemnation, this guilt or this, this payment that is required. So when we sin, all of a sudden we have this debt that's owed. And so Adam opened this up to all of the world. Okay, and this is, this is probably a terrible illustration because I am not a fisherman. Any fishermen in here? Nope, they're all out at the lake. Okay. <laughs> then you're all going to love this illustration because you're going to understand this as much as I do. You got, you got the open reel, right? Is that the right term? Some people are nodding. Okay, so you got the pole. You got the, the closed reel and open reel. We bought an open reel because it was cheaper, right? Because I don't fish. So um, I jet ski, stuff like that, like, but fishing. So we bought this open reeled fishing pole. This thing Again, I'm not a fisher. You, I handed this thing to my kids, and you understand how much this, all the fishing line comes off and spools 
everywhere real fast. Like being closed kind of keeps it contained and orderly. And all of a sudden you hand this fishing reel to your kids, you know, turn around to help another kid, and you turn back and the mess of fishing line is unbelievable. Like how could you possibly tangle this so bad so quick? And I've turned to look at that and go, how, like, you know, you start trying to untangle and fix, and it's like it's such a mess that I quickly knew, like, th- there's, one, there's one fix for me to, for this is, like, snipping the line. We just start over because there's no untangling this. But that's probably where this, <laughs> this terrible illustration comes to a stop is that it seemed like we can turn to the, the mess of sin in our lives, that, that it can be just such a tangled mess, and it's easy to think, I'm just going to cut ties and just move on but it can't be. Like, it has to be made right. The, this, what is owed, this payment to be made right, this, this justification that has to happen, somehow it all has to get cleaned up and made right again. And I think that's where we can, we can turn to Jesus' side is that this free gift that he offers us is not like the trespass. It says that the trespass, it brought chaos and guilt and this penalty to so many of us, and then we all add on it with our own sins. It's just this tangled mess that we find ourselves in, and it's tangled up in sin. But this free gift, it spreads to us in our mess, in our guilt, but it straightens everything out. Somehow Jesus can look at it and he can make it all right. The sin entanglement that we've been living in, somehow Jesus is able to clear us, free us, and set everything straight. The third contrast that we, that we look at then is the contrast of death and life. And again, by default, we all earn death for our sin, right? We end up on that side. So we have death and life. But verse 17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, this free gift of righteousness, will they reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So through Adam comes death, death into the world, and God created everything to be perfect, that, that we would live in this, this place of perfection, but those who follow after mankind, or Adam, all of mankind, death is something that's, that's a reality that we face, that we cannot avoid. It's a reminder to us of how fleeting life is, but yet we're also given the other side of this contrast is that, that we have this opportunity to have life through Jesus. That sin and death don't have to reign over us, but Jesus gives us new life. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He paid the debt. He took our place. He freed us from our sins, and He even freed us from death. And even though we will still face an earthly death, Jesus tells us that that's not the end of it. That we can live on for eternity in new life as a new creation when we are in Him. So then the last point of this contrast of back and forth is either our, the disobedience versus obedience. So verses 18 and 19 say that, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so this one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
So although Adam, in this one act of disobedience, it can frustrate us, it can make us upset, that, that Adam was told just one thing, that he was given absolutely everything in the garden, free reign over all of it, with this rule to not eat from these two trees. And why is it that when we're told that we have all the freedom with this one thing that we can't do, we all want to do it? Like, have you guys seen this button before? Right? Like, this is, this is what Adam and Eve got. It's like, this, like, you have all freedom. Whatever you do, don't press the button. And everything inside of you is like, why? What, what's the button for? Like, I need to know. Uh, I, I just, like, everything within me now says, I want to press the button. And I, and I think that's where Adam and Eve were told they could have everything. And we can think, how could they have messed it up? It's like you had all, all the freedom you ever wanted. You have absolutely lived in perfection. Just don't press the button. And yet, that's exactly what they did. They ate from the tree, and they were disobedient to God's word. And because of their disobedience, it was life-altering even for all of us. That we sit on, on this side of, of, of contrast of, of living in disobedience. But then the other side of that is Jesus was obedient. He was obedient to follow God's plan that had been laid out. Jesus came, he lived a perfect life so that he could be given as the perfect lamb, as our sacrifice to take our place for our sins once and for all. And this one act of obedience was life-altering too. His sacrifice was made and it was made for each and every one of us so that our lives could be made right only if our lives are in Christ. For those who have surrendered themselves, committed themselves after Jesus, we no longer have to live in this, this side of Adam or, or of, and I, I, it's again hard to say, you don't have to be on Adam's side. Um, we don't have to live in that humanity, that mankind. But when you live on the, the, the contrast of Adam, when you get to live on the other side, like we, we can put aside the trespasses, the condemnation, the death, the disobedience, and we can join Jesus and we can live on his side in Christ. And in Christ, we have this gift of grace that we've been justified, given life abundantly, and then his, following his obedience. You know, we've gained so much more in Christ than we can lose through Adam. That brings us to the conclusion of this redemption story that I said earlier. Seems, it seems a little bit unfair. And let's look at those, I guess. Because, yeah. Let's look at these verses, Romans 5, um, 20 and 21. It says that the law came in to increase the trespass. Where the sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in Christ, we have this new humanity. And this is where it seems unfair is that that we can be stuck thinking, well, I've earned myself death and condemnation. How is it so unfair that, that Christ pays the price and then I'm given life and justification? Jesus entered the world to, to make everything new again, to make this new humanity so that we could join him. So even where sin abounds around us, we get to see so much more that how Jesus can overcome it. And it seems unfair. How can God's 
How can God cover all the sin? Even as sin increases, God covers it all the more. And I think at some point we can kind of think, it's easy to point fingers at others and just say, hey, stop it. Like, just stop sinning. But it's like, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I need to stop, and, and I need to turn to Jesus. Last week, Justin read the verse from Romans 5, 8, and it says that, that God showed his love for us in this, that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think this is where it seems so, so unfair, because I think God doesn't wait for us to get our act together. He doesn't wait for us to get ourselves nice and cleaned up and start using all the right words. And He doesn't wait for that moment. He takes us right where we're at. In the filth of our sin and stains of, of living in sin, He finds us right there, and He sacrificed for us even while we were at our worst. God gave His one and only Son to pay our debt to give us the freedom, the abundant grace that we can have because of His free gift through the one man, Jesus. So this brings us back, I guess, to look at our own salvation in view of this redemption story. This conflict that we sit in, that we're broken and stained by sin, it's entered the world through Adam and it's spread to each and every one of us. And there's no way for us to clean ourselves and make, make ourselves right or make ourselves new. So Jesus has this, this contrast of the life that we live, that he came to give us a perfect life that, that we're unable to, or to give ourselves because our sacrifice doesn't pay for our sins. So he paid our price, and there is this offer for us to either stay on the side of Adam, of the old humanity, or we can align ourselves with Jesus and be on Jesus' side. So Jesus has already overcome sin and death, and we don't need to stay there because we have this free gift of grace and freedom and life, and we could be made right. And it takes some following in obedience and following in his steps but it's a free gift. And if you've never made that decision or, or you've tried to clean yourself up on your own, it feels like too much to bear, don't just leave it today. Know that we can live in, live in a new humanity. We can leave those things behind and we can be justified through Jesus. Don't leave today without having that conversation. We'd love to be able to have that, story, that conversation with you to see how your salvation can be a part of this redemptive story that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. But it only happens when we leave this old humanity behind, this old Adam behind, and we join this new humanity that comes through Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that, that you've made all things new and that, that you offer us a new life that is even undeserving. God, we're so grateful for the sacrifice that you made so that we could be made new and walk with you again. God, I ask that you would realign our hearts to seek after you, to follow you, and to love and trust you. God, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.